Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. I want to welcome you back to the program today again, and thank you so much for joining in every week at the same time. We've been doing a series, those of you who follow us, uh, realize we've been doing a series on the seven times that Jesus says, I am, in the Scriptures, especially throughout the book of John. And uh, I'm going to read that Scripture for you here. John 20, verse, 30, uh, verse number 30 says, and many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of His disciples, which are not written in the book. But these are, these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through His name. Now what we are really dealing with in this, this is the uh, fifth I am of Jesus, where He says, I am the resurrection, and I am the life. And uh, the whole story is the story of Lazarus and how that Jesus went down to the house of Mary and Martha. Lazarus was now dead. And Jesus said, uh, we go down that we might wake him from sleep. Of course, the disciples thought he was talking about sleeping like taking rest. And they said, well, that's good. He said, and Jesus then plainly tells them, Lazarus is dead. He said, but I'm glad for your sakes, because I'm going, this happens so that the glory of God can be manifest. I began to share with you a couple segments ago how I contrasted the story of Lazarus and his resurrection with the story of rich man and Lazarus, and how that the rich man and Lazarus, and it's not an accident to me that it would use the name Lazarus in the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. If you've missed any of these, let me just say this quickly because uh, I'm going to talk about this a little bit, but I'm not going to exhaust it like I did in other segments. If you've missed any of these programs, you can go back to our YouTube channel and watch all of them we have archived, and you can watch them on demand there. And if you can't do that, you'd like to listen to the audio portions. We have it in a podcast, and we have it as an RSS feed. The easiest way to do that is simply to go to my website, and that link is there. In the upper right-hand corner of the opening page, there are icons, little symbols, one of a YouTube, one of an Android, and one of a iTunes insignia, that if you simply tap on them, they will take you directly to our page where it's either our podcast, our YouTube, or the RSS feed, and you can go back and listen to all of them. The last two segments I talked a little bit about the rich man and Lazarus. Again, I'm contrasting the story of the resurrection of Lazarus, and I'm connecting it to the story of the rich man and Lazarus. And the reason I'm doing that is because the theme all through this uh, series where I've talked about the I Am's is that Jesus is coming to His own. His own is not receiving Him, and He's about to give the covenants a promise to those who do believe, whether it's a Jew or a Gentile, but he's about to take this to the Gentiles. And to me, the story of the rich man and Lazarus is a parable about the rich man. The rich man being a type and shadow of natural Israel who fared sumptuously. They were clothed in purple and sat at the table with finery. Lazarus is a picture of the Gentiles because the dogs would have licked the sores that, that uh, was on um, uh, Lazarus, and Lazarus was begging for the crumbs that fell from the master's table. 
Now remember the story where there was a girl that came to Jesus and said she was a Samaritan. And she said, my daughter is needing a, a healing. And Jesus said, it's not lawful to give what's holy to dogs. So that's a symbol. The symbol uh, of the dogs is a symbol of the Gentiles. Not only is it a symbol of the Gentiles, but this beggar named Lazarus who would have eaten the crumbs that fell from the master's table, the name Lazarus is the Greek equivalent of the Hebrew name Eliezer, which was the Gentile servant of Abraham who was going to become the heir of the Abrahamic blessings. So here we have a picture of the Gentiles about to be brought into the covenants of promise because the rich man is about to not believe and Lazarus is about to believe. And what we see is a reversal uh, taking place. Even when Jesus won his first messages when he came out of the wilderness, is you're blessed if you're hungry because you're about to be filled. In the story of a rich man and Lazarus, it is the Lazarus who is hungry who's about to be filled and it's the rich man who thinks he fares sumptuously who's about to become hungry. And uh, you're blessed if you mourn for you're about to be comforted. Lazarus was the one who was about to be comforted. In other words, it's almost you're blessed if you're poor in spirit for you're about to be filled. And so, uh, you know, the rich man is about to find out it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom. That's not necessarily how much money you have. It's because you think through the riches of your own performance and through this whole uh, idea of their ethnic background that they're automatically in. And the gospel is not about your ethnic background. It's about your faith in the one and only Son of God who that, that He said these things are written that you might believe and that believing you might have life through His name. And so as we see the story again of the rich man and Lazarus, Lazarus is carried into the bosom of Abraham, and the rich man is in hell, and he lifts up his, uh, his voice. He's thirsty, and he says, send Lazarus, or he asks first of all for a touch of water to cool his tongue. And again, that takes me back to uh, Matthew 5, where Jesus said, if you're thirsty, you're about to be filled. But what was happening was that in this life, the rich man had been filled, and Lazarus had been thirsty, and now Lazarus has been satisfied, and the rich man is now thirsty. But he's in hell, and he lifts up his eyes, and he sees Lazarus. But then he says something in this parable that's powerful. This rich man in hell looks and says, listen, if you would send somebody from the dead to warn my brothers not to come to this awful place, and then Jesus turns around and says to that rich man, or, or I guess in that story it would be Abraham said to the rich man, though one rose from the dead, still you will not believe. And so it never dawns on us that when Jesus comes later on and raises Lazarus from the dead, He didn't just send one from the dead to the Jews so that they might believe, He sent one named Lazarus. It's not an accident. I promise you the moment that the, they went and told the scribes and Pharisees and the rulers of the synagogue, this dude just raised somebody from the dead, I promise you, they said, please tell us his name is not Lazarus. Because they probably already heard that story, and now Lazarus was risen from the dead. But from that moment on, the Jews sought how they might kill Jesus. 
And so they did not believe, even though one rose from the dead, and then later on Jesus Himself raises from the dead, and still they do not believe. And so there is to me a powerful importance to believing, because it is in believing that you have life through His name. Now I'm going to read you several scriptures about life and resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15 is one of the first ones, verses 12 through 28 says, Now if Christ be preached that He rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen. And if Christ be not risen, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that He raised up Christ, whom He raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain, and you are yet in your sins. So the power, first of all, the fact that Jesus got up from the dead says that if you're a believer, you are no longer in your sins. That's why He was delivered for your offenses and raised for your justification. They, then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For in Adam all die, even so in Christ are all made alive. And here's a verse that a lot of people forget in the midst of that, but it's a very important verse. But every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterward that are they that are Christ at His coming. So uh, what he's saying is that there's an order and a rank to this resurrection, that we don't all die at the same time, and we're not all raised at the same time. I don't want to get into that particular aspect of it. But I want to talk now, see, because Jesus says to Martha and Mary, the hour is coming when all that are in the grave will hear the voice of the Son of Man, and all they that hear will live. But then he goes on to say, but it's not just, uh, you know, because she, she said, Lord, I know my brother will raise it the last day. And he said, listen, uh, you know, he said, listen, uh, your brother will rise again. And Martha said, well, Lord, I know my brother will rise again in the last day. And Jesus looks at Martha and Mary. He says, listen, I am the resurrection and the life. In other words, the resurrection is not only an event somewhere in your future. That's included. I just read that from 1 Corinthians 15. But resurrection ought to be a present reality in the life of every believer who simply believes in Jesus. And that's the whole thing he's bringing here as well. Ephesians 1.13 says, in whom you also trusted after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest or the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of His glory. And then verse 19 of that same chapter says, And what is the exceeding greatness of His power to us who believe, according to the working of His mighty power, which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and set Him at His own right hand in the heavenly places. So the exceeding greatness of His power is to us who believe, which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and set Him out of His own right hand. And we can stop there and say, well, what's wonderful, Jesus is raised, 
He's seated right now at the right hand of the Father. But I love how the next chapter opens up and says, And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works, and the children of the disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation, which literally means our lifestyle in time past and the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature of the children of wrath, even as others. For God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love, wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved, and hath raised us, hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So here again we see the contrast is that you thought if you searched the Scriptures, you would find in them you thought you had eternal life. But they are they which testify of Me. I spoke of that in a prior segment. Those scriptures that they were reading were not Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and the New Testament because it had not yet been written. It was the Old Covenant scriptures. And he said, those scriptures, you thought you had life through them, but you didn't get life through them. They are they which testify of me. Your life does not come through the reading of the Old Covenant scriptures or through your performance-based Christianity. It comes through faith in Jesus Christ because not only was He raised, but when He was raised, His kindness toward us is commended toward us that when we believe, we're quickened and made to sit with Him together in the heavenly places. See, what's so powerful about this is not only has He been raised, but you hath, past tense, He quickened who were dead and trespasses in sin. So the power of resurrection brings you up out of the things that were the lust of your flesh and the lust of your mind and the stuff that we used to do. What happened was He didn't just give us a law we had to keep. We received a life that would keep us. See, we're not trying to do this in order to get life. We get life and then it's out of this life that there's a flow of being seated with Him together has raised us up together and made us sit together with Him in the heavenly places that we can rule and reign right now in life because of the grace of God we are seated in the heavenly places far above all principalities and powers and mights and dominions or any name that's named. He made us sit together with Him there. As a believer you've got authority. You've got authority over stuff in your life. You've got authority to speak resurrection life to the areas of your life that are dead. I'm telling you, you've got the power to begin to declare some things. It may look like it's hopeless. It may look like the whole Lazarus situation, that Lazarus had been dead for four days, and by now it stinks, and there is no hope. But I'm going to tell you, Jesus is the only one I know of that could be four days late and still be on time. Don't ever give up on the power of that resurrected life that is ours for the receiving right now. Let me read a few more resurrection scriptures. This is Colossians 2 verse 9 through 14. For in Him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. That's wonderful and boy that's shouting stuff, but the next verse is really shouting material. And you 
are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, and whom also you are circumcised with the circumcision made with hands, and the putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with him, you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. It's your faith in the operation of God that raised him from the dead that causes you to be a partaker of this resurrected life. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinance that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. That's another picture to me of the stone being rolled away and the stone of the law, because the handwriting of ordinances that he took from, uh, you know, the enemy in Colossians here was the law of Moses that was a covenant of death that constantly pointed out what was wrong with you, but it did not have the power to give you life. Let me go on down through here and get a few more of these uh, scriptures. Here's some we know. Again, John 3, verse 15, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have, ever, have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not have perish, but have everlasting life. God, for God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. You remember when I contrasted this again with when he said, I'm the resurrection, he contrasted that again to John 5 when he says, there is one that accuses you, even Moses, but do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. And he goes on to tell them that in that same chapter in John 5 that, that you might have life through his name again. And it's just repeated several times. Here's John 3:36. He that believeth on the Son has everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. John 5, verse 24 through 29. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believes on him that sent me hath everlasting life and, has, and shall not come into condemnation but is passed from death unto life. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. For as the Father has life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself, and hath given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming, in the which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice, and shall come forth they that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. John 10.10, 10, The thief cometh not but for to steal, and to kill, and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. John 17.3, And this is eternal life, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. And, uh, I, you know, let me, let me just say this, that uh, eternal life, and I, I've said this throughout many of these teachings through here, 
eternal life is more than just a ticket to heaven. It includes that. I, I probably said that a bunch of times. Eternal life includes going to heaven, but it does not start when you go to heaven. It starts when you believe that you might have life through His name. And what I shared with you is that eternal life is from the Greek word aeonian, or the life of the coming age. And the life of the coming age in the mind of a first century Jew was not just a ticket to heaven. It was the life of the coming age being free from the law of Moses because the age of the law was passing off the scene and the age of the new covenant had now come on the scene and under the old covenant it was through rules that you tried to have life but in the new covenant it's through Jesus that you have this life and that you have it more abundantly. And this eternal life was more than just a ticket to heaven because in John 17, 3, Jesus said, And this is life aeonian, or the life of the coming age, that they might know thee, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. So eternal life and the life of the coming age was having a personal relationship with a living God who is not mad at you, but is mad about you. And uh, let me just go on down through here. and said, when they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, Then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. Again, that confirms what I said in the story of the rich man and Lazarus, is that the Lazarus being a type of the Gentiles were about to receive the life, and the Jews were about to be rejected. Acts 13, verses 46 through 48. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said it was necessary that the Word of God should first have been spoken to you, talking about the Jews, but seeing you put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, we turn to the Gentiles. Can you see that again? He's taking it from the rich man and he's giving it to the Gentiles. That we judge, you, that you judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life. Lo, we turn to the Gentiles. For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad, and glorified the word of the Lord, and as many as were ordained unto eternal life believed. Romans 2, verse 7. To them who by patient continuance and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. Romans 5 verse 10, For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And Romans 5 verse 21, that as sin has reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 8 1, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. Hallelujah. You know, I mean, there's so many things here to say. Let me just, instead of just reading all of this, let me say, you know, even Romans 5. I love how the message, bring, message Bible brings this out in the last few verses. Because it says it like this in the message. It says, here it is in a nutshell. One man did it wrong and got us in all this trouble with sin and death. And another man did it right and got us out of it. 
Now that's powerful, and a lot of people are happy that they're not in trouble anymore. But the next part says, but more than just get us out of trouble, He got us into a life, a life that goes on and on and on, world without end. So He didn't just get us out of trouble, He got us into a life, and He gave us this life. See, most people are just happy to be free from the law, and they want to just live any old way they want to. But what I want to say to you is, He didn't come to just get you out of trouble. He came to give you a life, an abundant life. And the life of the coming age was a life lived in freedom, but it was a life lived in the context of relationship with the Father, as God being your God and His God, His Father and your Father, and living out of that uh, relationship. And then He goes on, here's a few other verses, Galatians 3 verse 21, it says, is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. For if there had been a law which could have given life. See the contrast again? You thought you got life from this, but that's not the life. I'm the life. I'm the resurrection, and I'm the life. He said, is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. For if there had been a law which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. But the Scripture has concluded all under sin, that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. The only requirement of the new covenant is that you believe, and everything you do flows from right believing that will produce right living. First Tim, or 2 Timothy 1 verses 9 and 10 says, Who hath saved us, and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. First John three fourteen. For we know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abides in death. First John five eight through thirteen. And there are three that bear witness in the earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three agree in one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater, for the witness of God which He hath testified of the Son. He that believes on the Son hath the witness in himself. And uh, let me see, uh, and, and this is the record that God, uh, that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. He that has the Son has life, and he that hath not the Son hath not life. These things have I written unto you that you believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. And last but not least, Revelation twenty-two seventeen. And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. And to him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, whosoever will, let him drink of the water of life freely. You're invited today. All it takes is believing. Receive him. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, and you will be saved, and you will receive this life, that he that has the Son has life. He that does not have the Son does not have life. Receive that gift today. We're about to run out of time. Thank you for joining us this segment, and we appreciate you. If you'd like to sow seed into the ministry to help us to take the gospel around the world, please call that number on the screen. The easiest way, though, is to go to our website and give via PayPal or credit card there. There's a way you can do that. You can also set up a monthly debit if you'd like to become a monthly partner with a certain amount automatically debited. We appreciate you doing that. Also, you can write a check or money order, send it to the address that will come on the screen in just a few moments. Thank you for joining us. God bless you. Until next week. 
The word repentance means to change your mind. The message of John the Baptist and of Jesus was to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is accessed by a change in our thinking. If you are in outer darkness, there is weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. That reality is not always out in the distant future. It is in people's lives right now. One simple mind shift can move you out of darkness and weeping and into light and rejoicing. God wants to wipe all tears from our eyes and replace our weeping with joy.